Hey everyone, in 2022, we're protecting our peace and our paychecks. But are you ready to also help protect our freedom to vote? Right now in state legislatures and communities nationwide, anti-democracy politicians and conspiracy theorists are trifling with our freedom by attempting to silence the voices of black and brown voters. They know when we come together to claim our political power, we make progress on everything from access to healthcare, reproductive justice, protecting our planet, and the freedom to just be. That's why Verified Action is working to protect your freedom to vote. But we need you in this fight. Join me and visit fairfight.com today to learn how you can be a part of the movement to ensure all of our voices are heard. Welcome back, Brown Girls. It's Ashanti, the host of the Brown Girls Guide to Politics. Today, we're talking about diversifying our school boards. When we're talking about election cycles, local district and county races are critically underappreciated. If we throw back to the 2016 election cycle, only about 27% of eligible voters participated in their local elections. But here at the BGG, we know how important these elections are every year, especially school board races. They became a major focal point in the 2021 election cycle between mask orders, vaccine mandates, and the mythical threat of critical race theory, school board elections suddenly became a hotspot for campaigners and voters. Our guest today knows all about that. We're talking with Kathy Mulkerin. She's been a student and a teacher in the Walla Walla public school system. Now, she's a school director there after winning an election that got national attention last year. Let's put this in perspective. The Walla Walla public school system is made up of 46% students of color. Kathy is the first woman of color on his school board. So listen in to what Kathy has to say. This is the truth about running local and the importance of diversifying our school boards. I hope you enjoy this episode. Kathy, my emerge sister, phenomenal woman. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's wonderful to see you and talk to you. I know, just, I'm really excited for this conversation. We're gonna dive right into it. You serve on your local school board. And when I just think about everything that voters would want when it comes to someone who sits on a school board, it's you. You've been a student, a teacher, a parent in the school district. Now you won a huge race and are a school board director. First of all, congratulations. I know I was so excited when you announced that you were running and I just became even more excited when you won. But tell us what inspired you to run? Oh, thank you so much. Um, I was inspired. I mean, I first of all, let me go back to my childhood. My mother is a three-term former school board director in Walla Walla Public Schools. She ran when I was in kindergarten for the first time. So that's probably where it really started. But like 
currently, um, you know, being a parent and, you know, just wanting to advocate so much for your own child is probably what really drew me to thinking about running. And then being kind of a community leader through activism, um, a lot of parents reached out to me and would kind of come to me with their uh, issues, good, bad, you know, what to improve about the school district. And so that really was kind of like my calling. It was them validating that I really do need to run. Them validating you needing to run, that means that there needed to be changes in the system and they knew you were the person. What were just some of those changes where parents like stood up and said, we need Kathy? Well, it's pretty obvious. I'm a black woman, a biracial black woman, and our district is made up of 46% students of color. The majority is from our Latinx, Latino uh, community, but they see me as representing people of color in our community because I've done it in other ways. And so I think they really saw the need to have our school board diversified and have that lived experience spoken to and spoken about and thought about when making decisions in our district. So I think that really was the catalyst as to why they saw me as somebody to turn to with some of their thoughts and questions and even things that they think are going well. So I think that that was really why they put their trust in me. And we just know that there's so many school districts where the students in the districts are primarily students of color, and there's just no representation on the school board. And that's kind of what you saw when you were growing up in that school district. So can we just talk a little bit about how it makes you feel to know that you're the representation that you wish you had and you needed when you were a student in that school district? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, because I feel like, you know, when I was running, I felt like, oh, I'm totally doing this for the right reasons, that we do need this representation. And then when I got elected, I had that moment of imposter syndrome, like, oh my gosh, I have to represent this whole group where I don't have all of their lived experiences. But what I do know is I'm a good listener and I'm a good bridge builder. And, and I know my community so well that I felt like, you know, that's where I kind of can put that imposter syndrome away and say that I've been the student, I've been the teacher, and I am the parent. And so being able to represent that voice, you know, is, is kind of comes natural to me now. Um, and of course, my Emerge training has helped me to kind of break through some of my insecurities. Um, so that that's also helped me as well. And I think that with other people interested in running to diversify their school boards, I think that that's partly what it is. It's being that voice, but not being that sole voice, knowing where, where you, your strengths and your weaknesses are, but being that listening ear for your community. Can we talk a little bit about the imposter syndrome? Just because this comes up so much, especially with dynamic women. You're serving now. How are you like overcoming it, especially when you're new in a second, we'll get into like your race, which was a tough one. And it does make you feel like an imposter sometimes when you have all these people coming at you saying, you're not good enough, you're not the right person, but you won, <laughs> you're a school board director. 
So like, how have you been able to overcome it? And truly, how does it feel now to know that all these people try to really hold you down and hold you back and you beat it? Yes, I did. That's, that's the one thing I have to focus on is that I won. Um, and, and I think for me, because the race was so difficult yet, when I announced that I was running, I didn't expect to pull an opponent. Um, so there was like a mix of emotions. And I think that's where it's easy for that imposter syndrome to come in is just the ebb and flow of a campaign, but then to have such uh, divisiveness within a community and around the nation and, you know, being um, throwing things that don't really relate to your role. Um, <laughs> it just, it just was, it was hard, like day to day, like throughout the campaign, it was like, am I doing the right thing? I always knew I was doing the right thing. I always knew that deep down inside, but like, it's, it's hard to just go about and, and not hear those voices. You know, you hear it all the time and it's lonely sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that's where you have to have a really strong um, friend, friendship group, support group. Um, what Emerge did is like, you know, having your kitchen cabinet and just surrounding yourself whenever you have that doubt or that imposter syndrome sneaks in, then you reach out to those people who can, you know, talk to that, you know, whether they're already elected officials, former elected officials, people who helped you on your campaign. That's really what's important is to be able to talk it through. And then, you know, then you're like, oh, yeah. I know I'm doing the right thing and I know I won. So, and I know that this is what my community really, really wanted. So, but it's hard. It's hard at times. <laughs> we'll be back after a word from our sponsor. I know it seems like we say this every election cycle, but believe me when I say, y'all, we really are in a critical time. With the midterms coming up later this year, every race from Congress to city council has the potential to alter the future of our nation. And that's why our sponsor, AtBlue, is so important. AtBlue is the less leading online fundraising platform, and they make it easier for grassroots donors to chip in to the causes and candidates they care about. They level the playing field by helping more people run for office, including women of color, to create the real change we're looking for and need in communities across the country. So let's all get involved. Go to atblue.com backslash directory to find candidates and causes to give to. And don't forget to follow atblue on Instagram at atblueorg and on Twitter at atblue to keep up with the latest in grassroots fundraising. And we're back. Here's more of my conversation with Kathy Mulkerin. Let's talk a little bit more about your campaign. It garnered a lot of attention. We just know last year's school boards became such a focal point. <laughs> so when you knew you're going to run, you knew it was going to be definitely a race, but you got like a race just because of everything that was just happening last year with like the culture attacks, you know, schools opening, schools closing, and you talked about finding your confidence, having the kitchen cabinet, but what was it in your race that just grounded you and made you like so focused that you were still able to win? And it's why I wanted to have these conversations this season, because there's just 
there's just this perception last year that women like you did not win and they did win. You were who the voters wanted, who they needed. So how did you do it to become so victorious? Oh, well, to say so victorious is really hard for me because a little bit of background in my community, I, I would say 98% of school board races go uncontested like decades mm-hmm. back. My mom had, so the race that was its open position when she ran the first time she had a candidate and that was 30 some years ago. But after that, she, they were uncontested. So I really, when I made the decision to run in my mind, it was November. It was right after the election. And I was like, I'm going to run. And, um, and when I announced in March, I still didn't see pulling an opponent. So that's kind of what I was thinking. And then when I started hearing about critical race theory and that topic, that's when I knew I was going to be challenged. And then when our filing week came in May, I was challenged. And, and I was challenged by somebody who is the complete opposite of me, a white woman who has a PhD. So she had more, she had a title higher than mine, although I have two master's degrees and one in education as well um, and in paralegal. So in law. Um, so, I mean, and, and then also she's has a racist history. So I think for that to kind of came, that was, that was really tough to, to see that and hear that and to have people calling me, telling me about this woman. And cause I didn't know anything about her. So I really talk about having to ground yourself. I really had to, I had to kind of like shut down my social media for a little bit. I passed my social media off. I hired a social media consultant and this is a tiny race. I mean, I'm in a small town and I hired a social media coordinator. So, you know, but it really was reaching out to those people in my community who believed in me, not just my family and my friends, but other people that I knew of to make sure that this was really what I needed to be doing, reaching out to other elected officials that I know of in our state and my Emerge sisters, and just really laying that foundation and really firming that up and solidifying that. So I I stood tall in that with that foundation. And that's really kind of how I had to ground myself throughout this race, because it was tough. So you're serving, you're in there now. How has it been? You're sworn in, just actually holding the seat. And what are some of the things that you're already hitting the ground working on? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I've been uh, sworn in in December, and that was a really surreal moment, um, raising the right hand and saying the words. And I, I, I channeled Kamala Harris, our vice president, mm. because I really felt connected to her because I'm the first black woman elected in my community for any elected office. And so even though I was the first, I will not be the last, yeah. just like Kamala. And so I really felt that and held on to that. I also was uh, very proud to have my mom there to see me and witness me taking over this legacy. So that was really important. Um, you know, the work is, is difficult for school boards right now. But I think that I have a really good governance team and we really work well together just even in this first few months where we're working together. So I think that we're really good at listening and hearing what's going on in the community and we're aware of what's going on. So I think 
for us, that's the most important thing. And we're just, I mean, challenges keep coming, not just COVID. And it's been a really good transition. They've done a really good job of onboarding and welcoming me into the district and in my role. So I, I feel supported. I love that makes me just so happy just to hear those words. Like I feel supported because it's just so needed in elected office and politics in general that women, especially black and brown women, we need that support. So Kathy, you're a history maker. You're a trailblazer. You're going to be the first, but not the last. What's one key lesson learned that you would like to share with everyone? Oh, oh, there's so many. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, if you don't keep learning, then what's the point in living? Um, So I think probably for me is I've really had to step back. Being a candidate, it's so important to listen to your constituents. And I've kind of felt like I've been doing that in the last couple of years anyway. Um, Just kind of like the shift in who I am and the stage of life I am in that I feel like I've become more of a listener. You know, I've always been an observer, but that listening is so key. People want to be heard. You know, and so I think that's probably the biggest lesson I've learned recently is how valuable that is, is to listen and for others to really feel like they've been heard. Mm. I love it so much. Kathy, congratulations. We know you're just going to continue to do amazing things. And I appreciate you taking the time joining us today. I know you're in between meetings. Really, really appreciate you just sharing your experiences and one of your key lessons learned with the BGG community. Thank you so much. I appreciate you and Emerge Sisterhood. Yeah, so much Emerge love for you. If you don't keep learning, then what's the point in living? I felt that in my soul when Kathy said it. In 2020, I took over as president of Emerge right as the pandemic hit. It was my first executive role, which meant I was going to have a learning curve. But the pandemic was the curveball to the learning curve that I did not expect. The first thing I did was call every single staff person and just listen. I wanted everyone to feel heard and to know that I would be taking issues and concerns seriously. I just entered my third year leading the organization and I'm still learning and listening. Wanting to learn and be better for me is a key element of being a good leader. So in conclusion, take the time to listen to those around you. Ask them questions and soak in what they're saying. You never know what tidbit, information, or piece of advice you will hear that will have an impact on you and that will allow you to have a positive impact on others. Thank you so much to all of our listeners. Please take the time to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast as it helps us out a lot. For more information on the Brown Girls Guide to Politics, check us out at www.thebgguide.com and on Facebook Instagram, and Twitter at The BG Guide. 
The Brown Girl's Guide to Politics podcast is produced by Wonder Media Network, and you can find them at wondermedianetwork.com. Don't forget to check out our next episode, where we'll be talking to Sandra Washington, the first Black lesbian to be elected to Lincoln, Nebraska's City Council. Until next time, Brown Girls. Hey, BGG fam. I wanted to tell you about another podcast I think you'd love from Wonder Media Network. It's called Womanica. In just five minutes a day, learn about different incredible women from throughout history that you may not have heard of, but definitely should know about. In honor of Black History Month, Womanica is spotlighting Black female musicians with Grammy-nominated guest host Allison Russell. Allison's album, Outside Child, has been named a Best Album by Rolling Stone, The New York Times, and NPR. She'll be hosting the entire month of February, spotlighting legendary artists like Diana Ross, Etta James, and Aaliyah. I'm personally jazzed to hear more about the well-known Black singers and songwriters Womanica is covering. I can't wait to revisit all of their extraordinary work through Womanica's accompanying playlist. Tune in to Womanica every weekday, wherever you get your podcast.